tonight we want to also talk about something that is very dear in the heart of God, in the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's about the type of, the type of relationship that should exist between us as a church. The type of relationship that should exist amongst Christians, especially the church. You all know that the saying is true that you, don't, you cannot give what you don't have. Sometimes we pretend, we pretend a lot in trying to be what we are not. But truly, the Lord expects us to be ourselves, not in the sense of wanting to remain in a natural estate, but to be his children indeed. And we're going to read from the book of Romans. I have two passages uh, that we are going to read from. Romans chapter 12. And we'll read verses 9 to 21. Romans 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to, to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. May God help us to so to do in Jesus' name. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. 
We'll read verses 13 to 16. Ephesians 4, 13 to 16. I know that it's not actually starting with a sentence, but um, that is actually what I want to use. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and uh, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the old body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Amen. If we can call Christianity a religion, we know that it is a religion of fellowship. I know that it's not a religion. It's a way of life. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. To follow Jesus means love, righteousness, and service. And these things can only be expressed through the social relationships found in church. We may come across offenses, and this actually may be bitter experiences that will hurt us to the heart, but that should not make us to abandon the fellowship of believers. I met with somebody not too long ago who actually told her pastor of the things she was going through and lo and behold this lady walked out and they thought that she had gone but she was still by the door and she was hearing the jesting of the pastors. Not in this church. Huh? <laughs> Abby? Uh -uh. Not in this church. She was hearing the jesting of the pastors talking about her issue and laughing their lives away. And she vowed never to go to church again. The children will approach her and say, Mom, come to church with us. Say, uh -uh. I can worship God in my house. There, nobody will make jest of me. 
Satan will try to convince us as believers or as disciples of Jesus that we do not need to be concerned about other people. He will tell us that, oh, why do you need other people in as much as you have God in your life? We know that we need others. We are social beings. And indeed, God did not, Christ Jesus did not separate us as his believers from the world. Rather, he said, they are still in the world, but they are not of the world. Keep them. In the book of First Peter chapter 2, verse 3, we are told that we are a, the living stones that God is building together into a spiritual house. Isn't that wonderful? A living stone. That is, we are living stones that God is building together into a spiritual house. Wow. That is wonderful. And we see that this expression can be found also in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 to 22. True Christians need each other. In fact, Christians are dependent on each other. You know, the word fellowship is from the Greek word koinonia, which actually means communion or sharing in common. And um, we share fellowship of the spirit with an attitude of heart and mind which is far deeper than the natural ties of family or friendship. As Christians, we are not on our own. We have been born by faith into a tremendous worldwide family of believers who are joined together, not by race, not by color, not by convenience, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, children of God, what you do and what I do can affect the church positively or negatively. And sincerely, it will be a very bad thing for anyone to affect the church of Christ negatively, whereby people are running away from the church. What I do, what you do, must be that people will see and they want to belong because they are seeing Christ in us. I would like for us to actually think about few principles that we need to follow which are godly in the sense that they bring about godly fellowship. We'll talk about these principles 
because we know that some people uh, have a mindset that they cannot change their character. They cannot change their habit. They cannot, nothing can change them. They are what they are and they want to be what they have always been. When they are in church, they listen to the sermon, but as soon as the sermon ends, their natural nature sets in. Such a life has not met Christ. And I thank God because uh, we are starting to do something in our home cells. Uh, I know that sanguine, uh, whatever, melancholy, whatever, and so on and so forth, may not actually agree with some of us. Uh, but the thing about it is that whatever nature you were born with or the circumstances around you that you were raised as, you know, uh, a person, because we know that the environment has a lot to do with our character. It doesn't matter. When Christ comes in, huh, you can never remain the same. If truly, you will allow Christ to reign. And so, five things quickly, and then um, we'll look into other areas later, um, not this week. Number one, we need to engage ourselves in self-control. Every one of us must be conscious of taming himself. You know, in the book of um, 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 James, huh? it says that the true religion, a perfect man is one who has what? Who can tame his tongue. Huh? We can tame lions. We can tame elephants. We can use them in circus. Huh? But only God can help us to tame this tongue. Self-control. Sometimes you hear people say, I will always speak my mind no matter what. It's a good principle, you know. But is it, is it godly? I will always say my mind. Leave me alone. I'll, I'll say my mind. I'll say it as it is. When they're angry, they pour out venom. When they hate somebody, they, they say it. They meet with somebody they don't know. They, they just open their mouth. I'll always say my mind. Hmm. That is not for a Christian to say, oh, you must think as a Christian before you speak. Let's see what actually James 1.9 says. People read on the board, please. James 1.9. Thank you. Huh? Is that? Oh, sorry, 1.19. Sorry, 1.19. I'm sorry. I was actually looking and saying, ah, this is not what I read. <laughs> so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, or slow to anger. Quick to hear, to listen, slow to speak. Why should you be slow to speak? Think about the words that come out from your mouth. 
and um, also Colossians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Colossians 4, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. That's, all, that's enough. That's enough. You see, thoughtless remarks can make people move away from the church. Thoughtless remarks can make people move away from the church. Proverbs 25, 28. Let's read it. Proverbs 25, 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. My translation that I love is actually here. A man without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. God will not hold anyone guiltless who breaks his church due to what they call I don't careism. Think before you speak. This is a good advice, and it will keep relationship intact all around you. I, I have a, a poem that um, I found which actually goes with this, and the author is unknown, but wonderful poem. It says, a careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate instill. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen stress. And a lovely word may heal and bless. So let's be mindful what we say. You may be bold, but let me say this. Boldness does not actually mean being cruel. Do not only control your tongue. Control your attitude and actions also. These things matter. The second thing that should actually be taken carefully by us as we come to the body of Christ so that we'll be builders and not destroyers is do not engage in verbal abuse. Do not engage in verbal abuse. Many of us will not in any way or fashion think of abusing our child or our spouse physically. But we do not think twice at all when it comes to verbal abuse. Verbal or mental abuse can even be more injurious than physical abuse. 
when you come to the midst of God's people and you belittle someone, belittling someone may actually make the self-esteem of that person to be destroyed. You may be, you may use harsh words or harsh conversations that will not go well. It may be a form of intimidation that is threatening to the person on the receiving side. And you may be a bully. I pray that um, we don't have bullies in our children's church. Do we? Uh-huh. It must be taken care of. There was a young boy that actually was bullying his parents' driver. And my mama actually saw, her, saw him. Was saying, you this foolish, foolish boy. A small boy of about, how old? Six? Five, six? Talking to a man. And I know that he must have learned it from the parents. You this foolish boy. Small boy calling an adult foolish boy. And I know that that man may have a child older than this boy. And then um, Mrs. Lawa said, he's not taking you home today. You are going to be here on this ground. Hey, foolish boy, take your car and leave him. <laughs> she said, you call him foolish. You are not going with him. And then he started crying. He said, okay, apologize. Apologize to him. And he apologized. The truth of the matter is this. When we see a bully, it starts from a young age. And when the child goes to secondary school, guess what? He becomes a leader of a gang. In the university, he may never graduate because he wants to retain his position as the president of um, uh, whatever gang they, 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 they serve. Hmm. You may not actually be a, a bully. You may be a rude person, rude to people. Because uh, you want to boost your ego. Um, rudeness actually means nothing. Um, on Saturday when we went out to <laughs> Babalola Estate. <laughs> no, the place where we, where we went to, there's a place called Orange Estate, Abby. But there's, this one is really Babalola. I don't know how he got that something for, for them. Huh? Um, after we refused to give the gifts out because of the greed that we were, they were expressing, ah, one girl just looked and said, and you call yourself, you call yourselves Christians. This, this, this. Uh, somebody wanted to take offense at that. I just called the person and said, look, no matter what good you do, uh, some people will still insult you. And you all know that when we do parties, uh, and you worry about um, killing many cows, some will still come to you and say, they served me all bones. Abby? Mm. Rudeness 
it's not actually from uh, those who are enlightened only. It can actually be from, uh, you know, very lowly people. And um, we want to read many passages now from the book of um, Proverbs. Please put on board Proverbs 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Verse 14. Verse 14, quickly. Yeah. Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Uh, for time's sake, uh, I will skip some and go to chapter 25, verse 11. 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. This, I have not seen any jewelry set like that, really. Huh? Apples of gold in settings of silver. Wow. And um, that is what we ought to be. We need to be positive in our communications with each other. We need to be affirming, supportive, and engaging to each other. The third thing that we need to avoid as people of God, which I know is really not too evident in many churches. I think actually that Ikoyi Baptist Church will be guilty a little about this. Do not be judgmental of others. Do not be judgmental of others. Human beings by nature have judgmental thoughts about other people. See what she's wearing. It's too long. It's too short. It's just in the middle. Which one is actually good? Huh? Oh, that guy needs a haircut. In fact, some people will see me now and say, I need a haircut. And I don't, I don't know how long this is. And then we see some people. Ah, this one is not wearing suit. Like uh, Oli Malamuse is wearing coat. Huh? <laughs> you know the difference? suit and coat. And I know that the words of Jesus Christ should actually be, should come to mind here. In the book of Luke, Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, verses 35, 36 and 37, the Lord gave us a warning. It says, therefore, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. The same can actually be seen in the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. But some of us don't 
heed this warning. Now, judgment, to be judgmental is different from correcting somebody. It is important to actually have, to know that, um, that they are not similar at all. When you see something wrong, correct it. But don't judge as if to say, this one, uh, don't, want, don't, don't mind, is going to hell. It's, not, it's, it's far from being a Christian, and so on and so forth. Don't judge. And if you think actually that the words of Christ are not wise enough, do the opposite, and you will see that indeed your life would not be the same. Christians are not to be hypocritical or self-righteous, in our actions with others, Christ says that we must first examine ourselves before we can expect to help others. Why put uh, a log in your own eyes and you are looking for a speck in another person's eye? According to Matthew chapter, five, chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Don't just stop being judgmental. Consider the interest of others instead. Um, same actually goes with what we have read. The fourth, the fourth thing that we need to consider as a church. Practice forgiveness. Practice forgiveness. That is an area that is so difficult for many of us. Practice forgiveness. One of the most powerful passages in the Bible that deals with this issue of forgiveness and the understanding of its spiritual dimensions and the role it plays in our lives is found in the words of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter, chapter 18. Matthew 18, 21 and 22. There Christ expressed that forgiveness is limitless. It pays to move beyond hanging on, hanging on to resentment that we may feel when someone makes one of those uh, off-handed com comments and actually hurts our feelings. It is important also to note that there is no future without forgiveness. When we don't forgive those who abuse us, you know what actually we are doing? We are still living in the bondage of the abuse. And uh, there is no one that can free us except we release ourselves to God. The person that abused us might have forgotten about it, but you are still nursing it. I remember very well, I think it was her here. One lady came from uh, um, the, I think it's Warsaw or somewhere, and it came here to give, uh, she came here to give us a testimony of how she believed that she had forgiven everyone that, you know, had anything to do with the killings of her mother, her mother, her father, and her siblings. Oh, she was living right until 
she met with one of them. And the whole thing came back as if it just happened a few minutes ago. And she started weeping. She started crying. And that day, she begged for forgiveness to be healed. Until she was able to hug that man, she said she did not. She couldn't actually adjust. Children of God, when we practice forgiveness, we surely consider the interest of others. Some people might have hurt you some time ago, and guess what? Uh, you are not, you, you, you've said within yourself, I will never forgive that person. Remember this, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. I know a pastor's wife, an old woman, dead now, dead now. The husband did something against her. And she moved out of the marital home. The pastor's wife moved out and said she would never forgive the, the, the husband. Do you know something? On her deathbed, it was pain. Pain. Real pain. My wife and I went to see her. We need to know how to forgive, especially in the church of God. Christ said, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Do you have anybody that talked to you you need to forgive tonight? Is there anyone that has offended you and you need to forgive the person? I pray that you'll be able to. Lastly, lastly, I pray that, you know, as we say this, you would not actually think that uh, the pastor is um, wanting to exonerate himself in this particular matter. Please, I beg you, don't speak negatively about your pastors. We have five of us. I beg you in the name of the Lord, don't speak negatively about your pastors and about members of the church. When some people come to me and say that, why are the young ones moving away from the church where they were raised? You know what actually comes to me? One of the major reasons is the fact that you never say anything positive about your church when you are on the dining table, especially on Sunday afternoon. Everything you say is negative. The choir is rubbish. The pastor, no. What is that? Is that preaching? And so on and so forth. When you say that, that child is absorbing it. You know, he's in the stage, or she's in the stage of being like a sponge, taking everything in. And when that child gets uh, emancipation, uh, she's free to actually worship anywhere she wants. She moves away and says, that my parents' church is no good. 
I never heard them say anything positive about that church. Imagine, huh? Somebody comes to church newly and it's outside and some people are gossiping. Ah, I don't even know what the service will be today, Jerry. Ah, anyway, let's go. Let's, let's go and uh, fulfill all righteousness. And the person is coming in for the first time. I tell you what, if I should go to a church like that, right from uh, the greeters, I will turn back to greet myself. Goodbye. Please, I beg you. Let us know that what we do can promote the church of God or can destroy it. Do you still remember the first one? Huh? What was it? Self-control. Second one. Abusive. Huh? What? Okay. Third one. Not being judgmental. And fourth one, practice forgiveness. And the fifth one, don't talk neg negatively about anybody. Don't talk negatively about anybody. Somebody came to me many years ago and said that, Pastor, you've preached three times about factions in the church. And I said, oh, Sir, do you want to know that factions are real in the church? Not now, then. And the fellow said, before Reverend Obaje left this church, he preached about it twice. You came in, and within three months, you preached about it three times. And I took the person down and said, by the grace of God, I will tell you that I'm not preaching about this because I don't have anything to preach about. In the first fact, the first faction, the first set of factions, your wife is number one. This and this are part of it. This particular person also is part of it. You will have been part of it. But when they start talking rubbish about church, about the church, you leave and move out. You know something? The person looked at me and said, how did you know this? I said, you said, our elders say that um, walls have ears. I was hated for it for many years until the person got to know me, that I was not in any way trying to put anybody down. And the person loved me with passion to the point that I could hardly do anything wrong before him. Church of God, we are here. What are we doing to promote the Church of God? Or what are we doing to destroy the body of Christ? I pray sincerely that when we meet with him, he will surely say to us, welcome, good, and 
faithful servant. I stop here. Questions? Quickly.